This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And joining me as... I think Villa are just firmly marching uh, to the top of the table. I, that's my prediction. Anyway, coming into uh, the new year is uh, Dan Rogers of the com and fresh blood on the show, Max Stokes from Villa on tour. Really laggy line, David. Is it? Yeah, really bad. Close everything. Close all tabs. <laughs> Let me just check one thing. Hold on a sec. <sighs> Don't get these troubles on Villa on tour. That's what I've heard. No, you absolutely don't. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me on this show, post Middlesbrough Forest Madness, it's Dan Rogers from the TheVillaUnderground.com and Max Stokes from Villa on Tour. Fresh blood on the show. Welcome, gents. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Where do we want to start? Let's let's start with you, Max. Uh, I've seen the video, the Forest video. I love the the start of it, where you're you're running to try to get to the game. Yeah. So first of all, why why were you late? Basically, <laughs> every home game we get the train, and we got to the train station. And you may remember that day it was you know like storms and rain and all that, and we just yep, saw yep. no trains. So we made the executive ah, yeah, decision yeah. to drive there. What did you kind of hotwire a car or something? Well, outside New I drove, Street. I drove to the train station. <laughs> it's broken then... Britain, David. That's what this is. They're smashing up cars, <laughs> posting YouTube videos, hanging out on Fortnite. Jesus, whatever next. They'll be supporting the Blues. <laughs> no, Owen drove, to be fair to him, in rush hour. Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. There was loads of people moaning about the trains because they, they just closed a couple of lines. I can't remember the uh, the sordid details. It was somewhere near Northfield. I, I did like the bit in the video where you said, well, you know, uh, we missed the first three goals, but hey, you know, we got to see seven. So, uh, you know, who's, who's complaining? <laughs> can't complain. That was a mad evening. What was that game uh, when Villa played Liverpool uh, twice in like the space of a week? I think it was it was under Brian Little, where 
Liverpool beat Villa 3-0 both times in the second game I think I, I, I didn't actually go to the game but I was I meeting mean, a Liverpool you're not friend of the in, in a Robbie bar Fowler, three goals inside yes why would you why would you bring these things up see initially initially I was thinking oh surely he's referring to the 6-0 drubbing at Villa Park but no it was worse it was the other one. I got there eight eight minutes late to this bar to watch the game, and they had like twenty screens everywhere. There's like ten screens behind the bar, so I'm just leaning against the bar, ordering my drink. No, you know, nothing happens in the first ten minutes. And I looked up, and it was three nil to Liverpool already. What? And then my, my mate came in, and he was like ten minutes late, and I said, "Oh, we might as well go to another bar now because this game's over." Norwich Cup game quarterfinals. Me and my mate got stuck in mist and fog, and we got to the Norwich game like twenty minutes in, and Norwich were two one up. So. Uh, are you suggesting that, that Mother Nature is trying to prevent Villa fans from getting to the game? All these years that we've been, we should have read the signs. Well, as soon as, soon as we get a good team and suddenly we're looking forward to going to games, that's when Mother Nature steps in just to maintain the difficulty level mm. of following the team. Mm. It's a disgrace. Anyway, let's let's get into the show. We'll uh, introduce you properly later on, but just for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Max runs the Villa on Tour YouTube channel which is kicking ass at the moment and way way outperforming the club's own official uh, youtube channel <laughs> for engagement right on to the uh, three points for this week actually it's been a, a while since we've had a three points first of all uh, point number one Messi fifth in the can you pronounce it because I got told off the last time I got pronounced That's I didn't pronounced you call it, it Ballon d'Or like it was French <laughs> like a fragrance perfume <laughs> Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or, indeed. Ballon d'Or. So uh, Luka Modric won it, which uh, probably getting Croatia into the final in the World Cup went a long way to that. Ronaldo, Mm. normal top two finish. Anton Griezmann finished third. Mbappe fourth. And then somebody called uh, Messi finished fifth. No, but uh, you know, there's a big outcry now about fifth. Uh, but my, my, you know, my question is, where the hell was John McGinn? That's that's the big scandal here. Yeah, or, or Alan Hutton, for that matter. I mean, with the, do they not follow yeah. current trends in football? These people, it's all a, it's all a fix. It's all a fix. I think the I think the voting must have been done before the uh, the Maradona esque uh, goal at Villa Park against the Blues. Can you imagine if Messi scored that goal that Hutton scored? Exactly. He, he wouldn't have finished fifth, would he? Exactly. He would have won. It's, I mean, do you uh, pay much uh, attention to this awards uh, every year? Because this Ronaldo and Messi hype, it, I don't know, is it more a younger audience? I don't know, because I don't really buy into it. It's more people now follow players rather than actual teams. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've had experience of that, people supporting players. But no, I don't really care, to be honest. I, I follow the championship. I, I, the, only, the only reason I cared about it was the... Um... <clears throat> the the comedy clangor or slash sexism row that uh, Martin Solvig's got himself oh, yeah. embroiled oh, in. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, he, he dropped it there, and I think he's not really on point with the feminist movement at the moment. <laughs> Judging by the fact that, that you know they've gone to great great fanfare to uh, to promote the and rightly so that the women's game. This was the inaugural award as well. And they, uh, Ada Hegerberg, uh, I think she plays for Leon. And yeah. instead of you know doing the honourable thing and asking her, you know, t- talking about her. Perhaps a valuable contribution to and raising the profile of the women's game. He thought it'd be a good idea to ask her if she twerked. Mm. Yeah. Q awkward yeah. silence tumbleweed moment. I think they need a new DJ, so we'll send in uh, international DJ Chris Budd, who's uh, normally on the show. He, that's, there's a new gig for him there, I think, next year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, next year's open for him. Yeah, when he'll be presenting uh, John McGinn with the award. Anyway, point number two. Uh, this kind of relates to Villa because we we witnessed it uh, in the Blues game uh, 
Jurgen Klopp, it was a great celebration, uh, was fined eight grand by the FA uh, and warned about his future behaviour after, uh, well, he just went went crazy, didn't he, when Liverpool scored in the in it, deep into injury time against Everton. He went full and German, I mentioned the Villa. He went, he went full. Apparently, but he said. I think he said that was the first time in fourteen years that he's he's kind of gone mad like that. I refuse to believe that. And uh, obviously, uh, last well uh, in the Blues game, uh, you score a goal like Hutton scored, and if you're not jumping in the halt and celebrating, kind of person are you? And how can you book somebody? The referee should just nod at him and go respect rather than <laughs> you know bra- brandishing the the yellow card. I don't think Hutton cared, to be fair to him. The referees always look so pathetic, don't they, while they're doing it? <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right, Max. Uh, I don't think H- Hutton gave a shit about it. I mean, no. he, uh, he was literally taking a yellow card for the team just for the celebration. But he kept on going and celebrating as they w- walked back. That was the best thing about it. But, I mean, I did the did the cursory thing, cause I, knowing that we were going to be discussing this. I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just Google some similar fines. And you, you can you just type it in. I mean, Poland... Poland got fined £2,000 and had a behind-closed-door uh, game for racist chanting in their, their League of Nations game. €2,000. And yet, wow. Jürgen Klopp's been fined £8,000 for celebrating a goal in the 96th minute. One of the weirdest goals I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> and you think, well, what, what do these people want? They make millions and billions of dollars out of TV, out of the emotions, out of the... Now we're, we're going to book Alan Hutton for scoring a goal that he should not humanly be able to score. <laughs> yeah, the they sell the passion the passion but when the passion actually rears its head in reality it gets uh, stamped all over yeah, yeah i mean i don't agree with the incitement and stuff like that but back in the day max it was all about passion and you wouldn't get booked for it oh that's a shame <laughs> what's your uh, take on this should should players get booked for celebrating well, I think what Klopp did, a lot of people have said it. Can you imagine if Mourinho did that, ran into the middle of the pitch? I think there'll be a load more people banging on about it. <laughs> but true. as it's Klopp, I think he did it against Norwich a few a few years ago when they beat them 5-4. He ran down the touchline, lost his glasses and yeah, all that. Yeah. But it, as it's Klopp, I don't think anyone cares, to be honest. In the context of it being a local derby, if Dean Smith did it, what what would you think oh, about that? That would be that would be incredible. <laughs> Irresponsible. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm. I don't agree with what Klopp did. To be fair, but yeah, if Dean Smith did it, that would be remarkable. Well, it's double standards there, Max. Double. Standards. Yeah. Well, yeah. True that. I mean, if Dean Smith did it by running towards the away end, no, that would <laughs> be impressive. That would be yeah. very impressive. I'm, I'm sure the police would fine him. Uh, 8,000 just for incitement. Yeah, too bu- they're too busy confiscating cabbages off blues fans entering the ground. Oh, so they'd be, they'd be that is true. I, I got to witness that and I'm, I'm still, uh, that's, that was the highlight of my day <laughs> on Derby Day. Right, moving on to point three. Uh, last night I was uh, at the uh, Football Supporters Federation Awards. Uh, my old man said was nominated. Sorry, I didn't invite you, Dan. Uh, I well, have, uh, I noticed that you, one. Th- they, they'd replaced the, me in the seating plan with uh, another one of your friends. Oh, Robbie Savage, yes. Uh, nice of them to put you next to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was planned or what. Because we were like front row and I invited my friend of mine, an old, old buddy way back from Australia who happens to be in uh, London at the moment. And uh, he said, oh, you've won. If you're sitting here, I said, no, no, no there's no chance of winning. Uh, there's mainly, uh, sorry, this is a nomination for the Fan Media Award. And Ars Blog were in it, as, as well as the Anfield Rap. The Anfield Rap is like massive uh, as a podcast. I mean, it's almost like a radio station. Hmm. And they have their own app and everything. And Ars Blog is, I mean, just like the social media, they've got like half a million on Facebook and uh, like almost 300,000 on Twitter. So they just put out, 
one tweet or one Facebook share just say vote for us because it's a public vote. They, you know, they essentially win it. But uh, no, it was quite funny because as soon as I mentioned it on Twitter, every, the amount of requests I got to do a Dion Dublin. <laughs> And he kept. He was always checking Twitter. He was permanently on Twitter checking things. So I don't know if he didn't do that bit where you look up and look across the table and see who's uh, (laughs) (laughs) see who's there. We didn't didn't really chat to Savage because sorry, my mates uh, directed. He's a bit of an action director. He did Expendables three and. Hitman's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, whatever. So I was more interested in uh, crazy stories about uh, his experiences and uh, all his new fancy friends, and uh, that was quite entertaining. So whatever Savage had to offer wasn't really going to uh, be that impressive. You weren't interested in Robbie Savage's journeyman career? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. He's bang average. But no, Gary Gary Neville was there. Actually, I would have preferred to Gary Neville to be in on the table because mm. I actually I rate him. But it, it, all in, it's a, it's a great do to uh, just to get nominated. It's all right because it that entitles you to uh, a free slap up meal, free drink, and uh, we drank so much wine that that two hour train back at half eleven back to Birmingham, <laughs> getting in at half one in the morning <laughs> yeah. was was uh, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'm still recovering now. I'm sitting here at night with a with a coffee just to try to get me through this. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations to the Arse blog. And they also have uh, almost 3,000 patrons. Imagine if we had 3,000 patrons, we would be bringing you a much better show. We'd be doing much it from better the moon. Website. SpaceX <laughs> would have shot us to the moon. So uh, if you're thinking about being a patron, you know what to do. Anyway, moving on to the show. Uh, first of all, well, we'll talk about uh, the FA Cup draw very quickly, but then we'll get mm-hmm. on to that 5-5 madness. We'll get on to uh, the Borough game, which was pretty impressive, if you ask me. Yep. And also look ahead to West Brom in the context of it being the meeting of the top two scorers in the league. And we'll have a quick look rundown of the uh, the current top scorers in the division. So first of all, the home draw against Swansea in the FA Cup third round. Any any thoughts on that? It's It's not ideal. I mean, I was watching it and the, la- the last four balls in the pots were what, Swansea, <laughs> Liverpool, Wolves and us. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, we could go to Anfield here, Wolves away. No, get Swansea at home. It's not the most glamorous tie, mm. but yeah. yeah. But what, what do you think about the uh, the FA Cup? Because back in the day, I don't want to make us sound like old men and you sound like a young guy because, <laughs> you know, we're, yourself, all, we're yeah. all young guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say, like, when I was, like, when I was a kid... Like the FA Cup was was like the was one of the reasons I got into football. It was like a big deal, and I could remember like uh, you know, we're going back now in the eighties. I can you know I can reel off all the finals and who won and you know the results and everything. I can't do that for the anything from two hundred onwards. I can't even do it for the nineties. But and and then there's just been this movement over the last decade, two decades that suddenly uh, the managers don't take the FA Cup seriously. And then suddenly the fans started to follow suit. So what's your opinion, Max, of the FA Cup? I mean, have you been around when we've actually won stuff? Silverware, for example? Uh, definitely not, no. So your best experiences, I would, I'm guessing here, would be when we've got to FA Cup finals and uh, well, yeah. that game against Liverpool in the semi as well. What's your view on the, on the FA Cup? And is it something that you want Villa to actually put out a proper team and have a go? Yeah, definitely. I think if you get a big draw against a Prem team away, you always want to go there and cause an upset, you know. But yeah, I I still really love the FA Cup. I was there at the 2015 FA Cup final, which wasn't ideal. So I don't have the best memories of Villa in it, but I still look at it as a good opportunity. Tell me you went to the semi-final. I didn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I feel for you. Big, yeah. I feel for you because that's the, the only way you can, you could have p- 
possibly got through that final was to just think back to that semi and just cling on to that and yeah, use exactly. it as a comfort blanket. Just close your eyes, which is what most people <laughs> did on the day. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Chris Chris Budd was in the San Siro for the uh, Milan derby instead of the uh, the Liverpool semi as well, so he missed that as well. I, I, I don't think I'd still be alive today as a Villa fan if I didn't go to that <laughs> Liverpool semi-final. There's no way I could have got through the last seven years of shite. <laughs> <laughs> So what we did instead was we we both started Villa websites and have run those for seven and eight years respectively <laughs> to to document the pain. I mean, in years to come, when archaeologists dig us up, they'll be, able, they'll, be they'll look over this period <laughs> with with probably great surprise that we we managed to sustain ourselves. I like, but I love the FA Cup. I love the FA Cup. Yeah, Max, what was your motivation for starting Villa on tour? It might sound a bit weird, but I've always liked, you know, cameras and stuff. And obviously I love the film as well. So combining those two things together, you know, getting the reactions from goals and just showing other people that maybe can't watch the games or go to the games, just show them what it's like to be there, really. Because it is like a a sharp insight into the Mm. experience. So I think a lot of people, especially overseas, that obviously can't make games regularly, uh, would definitely uh, be all over it or should be all over it if they're not watching uh, at the moment. But in terms of, do you into photography or is it more like, like filming? More like filming, really. I'm just into that sort of thing. Are you into film? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. As a medium. All oh, right. Yeah. I've been a film journalist for over like 10 years. So I used to visit a lot of film sets and film festivals, mainly doing interviews and everything. So I'm kind okay. of, uh, that's my, that's my uh, we'll talk later, we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, for some reason I started up, as uh, Dan did, uh, this kind of macabre uh, exercise <laughs> in documenting Villa's uh, struggles. One day we will see the lights and then we'll hopefully be laughing. But yeah, when you have a website and a YouTube channel, and I'm sure uh, other guys uh who have uh, YouTube channels and websites or whatever, you're kind of praying to go back to the Premier League because you just know that more fans will read that site. Like, for example, if Villa are playing Manchester United, more you know, it's going to be all those Man United fans that will check your video out when it's like Villa on tour at Old Trafford or uh, you know, yeah. whether it's Anfield or whatever. So uh, when you got these owners coming in like Tony Shy and saying, you know, oh yeah, we're going to do this one, and every year goes by and you don't get promoted, you're saying, hey, come on, you're costing me here. I'm, tr- I'm trying to <laughs> trying to run a site here, and you, you're kind of <laughs> cock blocking my style. <laughs> <laughs> So we go back. We we referred to it earlier on the uh, the five five madness. It's it's very rare that you get to witness crazy stuff like this. I mean, the last thing I can remember at Villa Park is probably that the six four against Blackburn in the League Cup semi final. Mm. Obviously, you got there when we were already two one down. So you, uh, I think at that stage you probably would settle for a draw, would you? Or do you do you believe in the Smith ways? I think under Bruce you definitely take a draw at that point, but under Smith you just think. We scored four against Blues. Yep. We, you, we can score any amount of goals and 2-0 down. I wasn't I wasn't scared at 2-0 down. And especially when I got in at 2-1, I thought we can push on here. And we did. Going into the game, did you realise that Forrest's defence was so good? I mean, it, it was like the top two in the league. And I think that that Villa, I mean, the Villa game's an anomaly because that's the only time they've conceded in their last five games. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, actually, I didn't know that at the, at the time. But if you thought to yourself... Shit, we're two 0 down against a team that hardly ever concedes. Uh, you'd have probably turned back and gone home. Yeah, <laughs> but this uh, is an encouraging thing because Middlesbrough, as we saw, also rated in the, you know the top. I think they're number one actually, the toughest defence. And we just yeah. cut through them at will as well. It's exciting times. And first, I think one of the first takeaways was Tammy Abraham finally starting to stick the ball. Mm. I mean, he's had lots of chances, but he hasn't kind of converted consistently. 
do you see him as like the uh the, the finished deal and you know if you want uh, dan you talk a little bit about these rumors about uh, his uh, alleged january exodus i think in the championship he's the all-round real deal you're not going to get much better than tammy abraham in the championship and to be fair to him i know he scored four in the forest game but to, he could have scored six or seven he had a very good chance yeah. before half time he should have scored that but yeah you can't complain with four goals yeah, to be fair. Yeah. dan what's your views on uh, tammy abraham on, on abraham i think he's he's uh, head and shoulders above uh, most of the Strikers in the division, only 21, he's very complete. The, the only thing I thought, and it links into the, the Forest game. So you seriously rate him higher than Scott Hogan? Well, if we're talking about a goal per touch ratio, then I suppose Scott Hogan is, is the benchmark for all international strikers and what, you know, the Ballon, the Ballon d'Or to take your, is his, his to, is his to lose next year. But Abraham for me. There's a couple of worries, uh, I won't lie, that uh, I don't think Chelsea necessarily would see him as the answer. My big worry is that a desperate Premier League team looks at him in January and goes to Chelsea with a ridiculous offer. And that, that will test, yeah. I think, how, how tight Villa's contractual arrangement is with him and whether Abra- what Abraham's ambitions are. Because I, I do think you know, he's in and around the, the England setup, uh, but he looks uh, he's been guilty of a few misses, to be fair, and, and you know, as already mentioned. But yeah. You look at the Forest game, and he's one of the main reasons. Um, I think with the emergence of a couple of other players who we'll talk about uh, shortly, it, it, we are always a threat. We always look likely to score because he's got such a range, a range of finishing as well as a range of movement, and uh, he's a great yeah. team player as well. Did you see that alternate commentary to the Blues game where <laughs> I don't know where where the where the guy uh, referred to him as Villa's insect? Yes, <laughs> like some sort of alien <laughs> creature has been dropped on yeah. this earth. <laughs> which I kind of uh, I get because he, he is kind of insect-like in his movement and I suppose it's his gangly frame uh, to, a, to a certain extent. But also, also in the game, is it Joe, uh, is it Lo- Lolly? Lolly. Big Villa fan, scores a goal and four assists at Villa Park, which is uh, a kind of a weird one when you're a Villa fan. It's like shooting yourself in the foot kind of thing. Well, well, Nyland was, was, was kind enough to let it sail past him. So <laughs> just throw that out there. Oh, I forgot... Yeah, I forgot about Nyland. We'll, we'll, remind me, we'll debate Nyland once again because uh, it's been an interesting uh, week, shall we say. Mm. I'm still convinced that it's a no-go, but... Yeah, yeah I, think, I think on you know, the law of averages, we'll talk about him later. I, I, can't, I can't bring myself to mention him just yet. The reason why Forrest managed to also rattle up five, what, what, what do you put that down to? I mean, apart from uh, old Nyland. McGinn, for example, said he wanted to play against the Blues, or Smith said he wanted to mm. play against the Blues, but obviously uh, Smith was looking more at the long game, and obviously yeah. we had three fixtures within the space of seven days. But do you think McGinn was up to scratch against Forrest? Because they, their uh, no. counter-attack just cut through as like we weren't there. Forrest played a very, very quick counter, and I think they were very good at it, and, and I think that was their game plan, and I think a McGinn on his day would have been able to harry them, harry them a lot more. Well, we couldn't have done that, but they were so quickly onto our back four on, on that night, especially in the opening five, ten minutes, that um, I don't know what, what difference it would have made, really. You notice that we also struggle against the counter-attack of QPR as well. Yep. And, yep. you know, we had similar possession, like high, you know, 60s, uh, was it was even 70-something against QPR. And that was one of the problems. Why, uh, when we're bossing the game, are we so susceptible to that counter, especially if it's a fast one? We're playing a very high line as well now. I think that's that's noticeable. And what what that gives us is we're we're able to hurt teams far more quickly. We're moving the ball uh, generally quite quickly out as well. 
I think we saw that particularly against Borough. Where that does leave us exposed, it leaves us that huge gaps uh, a bit behind um, either where either winger would be where when they're knocked up to him. Because I think the expectation is when we've got the ball, we almost have a have an attacking four, don't we? And it's sprayed out from from centre uh, centre mid. Yeah, the five five. Uh, I watched the uh, Tyson Fury uh, Deontay Wilder fight, and it kind of reminded me of that. I mean, that was an epic fight. And mm. in the game uh, against Forest, when Villa went, Forest went down to ten men. Villa went five four up. You thought, okay, we've got them now. And then, like Tyson Fury in the twelfth round, when he got sparked out, and you thought that was it. They suddenly kind of rose from the dead and got that equaliser. How do you feel at the end of the game uh, with that point? Was it a point point gained or was it a missed opportunity? I think after winning five, well, being in the lead at five four, you think mm, you should be slightly disappointed with that that point. But I think the game as a whole, it's just disbelief. You just got to take it. I think Dean Smith mm. said it's just a mad game that you don't get ever. You just have to take it and move on, really. Yeah, my my take would be, uh, I'm not far away from where Max is, I suppose. But there, there were three things. Once you've got ahead after everything that had happened, they were down to ten men. Tuan Zebi probably gets grabbing into the one position where he's got the least amount of goal to aim at. Yeah, ten minutes before the end, I guess eight, it was early eighties that he scored, and he gets a goal at the near post. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's obvious we, we can't hold off on uh, Nyland, so what do you say in <laughs> Nyland? We can't we can't postpone this any longer. In or out in January. I'm out. I think he's made he's made a handful of very very good saves. He made a very good save against uh, uh, Borough. Um, but I think he's cost costing us. And and I also think that when a when a goalkeeper doesn't look to have confidence of the players in front of him. I mean, me us as a fan. I mean, I can't speak for everyone. Me as a fan, uh, I'm nervous by him. I think he's he's scary from corners, even in the games we've dominated, like Borough, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. I think that Smith has got to big him up at this point. I think he's got to talk him up, and I think that's a good thing. That's a good man in management thing. But I think it's deluded to think that Villa won't be looking for an alternative in January. Yeah. Max, are you feeling uh, confident sitting in the upper halt when you're watching Nyland, or are you... Uh... On the edge of his seat. I think what Dan said's right. If he doesn't fill the fans with confidence, how's he going to fill, you know, a back four with confidence? And I think if there's a decent alternative going in January, like Tom Heaton or whatever, mm. you've yeah. got to get him in because Nyland doesn't fill anyone with confidence, really. Like, he makes these mad saves. Like, you look at Middlesbrough, that one where he pushed on to the bar. I remember mm. he made one at Reading yeah. at home. But if he, if yeah. he can't yeah. do the simple stuff... Is it time to go? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I, I'm looking at the Villa team and I'm thinking this team is is starting to rock and roll and I, we've mm. got a, as good chance as anybody to get promotion and that includes automatic, but there is one big, big question mark and it's that the threat to that promotion is uh, Nyland. It's like 100%. I don't trust him I think at the all. I think the final thing I'll say is, and I, I don't want to dwell on, on bagging him out because I think that, and I don't want it to seem like a personal thing that we need a, a scapegoat almost, but I just think in those, yeah. you know, those crucial games where, and, and they'll come, especially over 
over this busy Christmas period of fixtures and, you know, the games where you might only have a 1-0 lead, you might be away from home holding on to a draw when you're going to, you need big, you need a big goalkeeper with him yeah. who can command his area. As Johnston had become, Johnston, sorry, had become last season where you, you could be confident he would come and collect and it takes all the yeah. pressure out. And, and I worry that at key moments, is Nyland good enough? Because he's, he's a senior keeper, he's not a young guy. I think if you're any opposition manager, and I'm astonished Pulis didn't, didn't target him more uh, with, with aerial balls against Borough, but he'd be the first person yeah, to circle in our team as the opposition manager as a weakness. Yeah. Talking about Pulis, uh, what was very interesting in uh, in the Borough game, and I thought this was this was a bit like the Derby game. Obviously, the same score, but the way Villa controlled this game against one of the let's say promotion hopefuls on mm-hmm. their own patch was very impressive. But the first thing I noticed was obviously uh, it was well known Borough have got the tightest defence in the league, and a lot of it's yeah. down to obviously uh, Flint and uh, Bart uh, and. As soon as Villa got anybody down that line, and the biggest one was like when Al Mohammadi got the ball. Normally, he's if he's on the edge of the eighteen-yard box, he will like cross it in. You know, kind of a hit and hope. But at no point were they putting in hopeful balls. They were like putting in low and hard yeah. uh, crosses. It, they were trying to construct something, and they were keeping it out of the air. So the Middlesbrough centre backs just couldn't eat it up, and they and that's and it kept them off balance. And you know, they didn't know what to expect, Middlesbrough. And I thought that was some smart uh, coaching yeah. there. You were there, Max, weren't you? In the, the lands of yeah. the borough, how, how was that trip? Yeah, it was. It was long. I've done it several times now, but it was definitely worth it. The best time I've seen up there. I was going to say, how how does it compare? Because obviously, we won there in the playoff semis uh, last season. In terms of the performance, this was this was so much better. The day as a whole, obviously, wasn't. But the performance has come on leaps and bounds since then. To be fair. But it is a different. It's a different mood now, isn't it? It's a different. It's a well. It's a different team completely. Yeah, definitely. I think we've got a different objective since last year. Obviously, the aim's still promotion, but we're playing in a different way and that's making the fans happier and it's it's just better to watch overall. Let's pick one player out. How did you view Chester's performance? Because he's been having a bit of a mare in recent games, but he's, you know, I mean, obviously he scored, but he seemed to, uh, he was the main man again defensively. Yeah. Did you notice anything? I think he was much better on Saturday than he was in the Forest game. In the Forest game, I don't think he was fit whatsoever. Mm. Obviously, he had that injury in international duty. Yeah, I was going to say, I, d- I didn't think he was playing against Forrest. <laughs> I know, he, yeah. he, 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 he was so absent. He was on one leg. Yeah, but he, he was he was so much better on Saturday and hopefully he can just stay fit because James Collins on the bench doesn't fill me with confidence. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, J- James Chester, he's looked better on Saturday, so hopefully he can keep that going. What have you got, got against James Collins? Oh, that's... I just think he's not he's not the best backup centre back. To be fair, at least he is a centre back. I'd rather have him than Yedinak. Yeah, I, I think in terms of physicality, he would probably help uh, our Norwegian goalkeeper a little bit because he he's kind of known for getting his head on the ball. I mean, I I don't think he's the complete centre back. He's uh, he's old school. He's not somebody who can play the ball out, which obviously Smith's been trying to do as a uh, as a habit. So uh, that might uh, go against him. But I think he's he's just last resort. Just back yeah. up. As, as an aside on Collins, I, I, as uh, I was uh, putting an article up on the site about him, him rejoining the club, I thought, oh, do I just search my site for any any old articles or any content I might have put about him, just to refresh my memory. And, and the last passing statement I had about Collins, it was in an article debating, and this is laughable in itself, who was who was better between him and Carlos Cuellar, was that I referred to him as <laughs> incomprehensibly bad. So. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I think the only way is up, really, for Collins from from my point of view. From I had to. 
you know, it's, is it step up from Samba? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 a good poll actually. Is that's James Collins a step up from it. Samba? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's going to have an Indian summer in his career, and he's suddenly going to be the man. But yeah. that's, I mean, that's the interesting thing. You think he's thirty-five, and then you're yeah. thinking John Terry turns. Well, John Terry was playing when he's thirty-eight, but there's a big difference. If you're good, I'd pick Terry now. You'd still pick Terry now, even you know, without proper player pre-season training, whatever you'd still. No, I didn't mean as a player. I meant as my dad. I just have him as my. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> the the main difference in the last uh, week has been the emergence of uh, Yannick Bellassi as an actual Aston Villa starter, and yes. uh, the Al like Al Ghazi guys back in like him as back well. in uh, the fray. Thoughts, especially on the Middlesbrough game, obviously where they both started. Mm. Your immediate reaction when you see the team sheet and you see Bellassi starting and Al Ghazi. Well, Bellassi, I've got no issues there. I think when he first came to us, he wasn't fit whatsoever, but. Mm. He came on in pretty much every single game as a substitute around the hour mark and pulling the strings. But when he starts and he's fit, he's just something yeah. else. You can tell he's a Premier League player, definitely. Mm. Yeah. The quality of his crossing is on another level from what we've seen straight away. Yeah. I think El Ghazi as well. I, I didn't expect him to start on Saturday, to be fair. When he came on against mm. Norwich in one of Dean Smith's first games, he was absolutely woeful. But I was surprised yeah. to see him against Forest, to be fair. And obviously he scored that wonder goal. Mm. And yeah, I was happy to see him start on Saturday. And it was really, really good, to be fair. Surprised me. His time at Ajax, uh, I've got a friend, uh, I think he's like head of the Ajax Supporters Club, the, the main big supporters club. Funny enough, I'm going to Amsterdam next week, so I might take in an Ajax game. But he was saying uh, he was really good because when he was younger, I think it was when he was 19, he, he was starting and he was really doing the business. He was, My friend said he's very strong. He's, he's hard to get off the ball. So when he gets the ball, you know, around their 18, yard box and I've noticed this against Middlesbrough it's not as if he's not somebody you know he gets played through and then you know the centre back just kind of pushes him aside and he gets the ball he he can hold it you know he can hold the ball up almost like a like an old school number nine yeah. in terms of a, you know his hold hold up play but I think the reason why he slipped uh, from favour so quickly was I don't think he was grafting probably in training and, and also uh, on the pitch he's, I think his first game was against Reading wasn't he and it was actually he was pretty cool in that game but that was because we had most of the game and Reading weren't really up to much but when it got a bit dirtier and tougher he, he kind of went missing but I think Smith has kind of put a rocket up his backside and uh, I think he realises that he has to work now. And, and both of those guys did really well defensively as well, that Middlesbrough couldn't yeah. get anything going down the flanks because obviously they wanted to, to answer your question about Pulis not getting crosses in against Nyland. I think Smith, uh, through Al Ghazi and Balassi, basically utilised them to shut off you know, the channels and the flanks so they couldn't get in positions to deliver uh, Nyland's death blow. <laughs> I mean, just to just to top off what you're saying, I suppose is that I mean I agree with all of that. I think the couple the couple of things that I I think about Balassi is that he's got a horrible trait for defenders in that you haven't got the first clue what he's going to do with either the ball or himself. It's virtually horrible. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't read it. What yeah. you said about the crossing as well, I think he's he's got he's got real vision there, and he can he can plant a ball with quite an arrowed ball with with pace, and that's so yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my other observations of Al Ghazi, because we haven't really seen a lot of him, is like a lot of players who you th are in and around the periphery who you think if they could have a run of games, you know, I think you mentioned in the previous podcast that you'd like to see someone like Lansbury, you know, as and when injuries and rotation come in and he's, uh, you know, he gets an opportunity because Al Ghazi came in and, and, and like I like probably many others thought, mm, this is his chance, but he's shown nothing yet. And incredibly skillful, see, wants to get in and around the penalty area, has got a, a, a shot in him, looks very creative, strong. I mean, he's got all the attributes that I think if coached and given a clear role, uh, probably like a number yeah. of players. Urahan looks like another player who now he's got a role. But Al Ghazi, um, 
it's great to have in the bag over a busy Christmas period. Yeah, because El Ghazi, he, he fell from grace at Ajax because yep. in, a, in a nutshell, a new manager came in and didn't fancy him. And, and that was, you know, that's why he got shipped off to France. We are struggling today because I'm hungover from these awards and I'm at the end of a cold. Dan's also, um, are you mid-cold or I, I am, in transition I am somewhere of in the depths cold? of man flu, so it's 50-50 at the moment. The Villa Underground could be, there could be a big black banner over it. it, it it's touching and Max, me. Max is in his pyjamas and he wants to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so we we got to wind it up very quickly. We just wanted to get a, a, a podcast out discussing, obviously, Forest, Middlesbrough, and also the upcoming derby against uh, West Brom, which actually pits the league's two top scoring teams. Do you think it's going to be a like a Mexican shootout at the Hawthorns? I mean, Villa Villa are now pretty much two in one, aren't they? They've scored uh, thirty nine mm-hmm. goals in twenty games. West Brom mm-hmm. scored forty two in twenty games. Is it going to be nil nil, or do you think uh, it will be more of the same uh, in terms of Villa banging them in? I think it's going to be a difficult one on Friday. They're still a Premier League team, aren't they? Yeah. I think they score for fun. They, we haven't scored in only one game this season, and that was QPR away, and they've only kept one clean sheet this season. So it's right. it's probably set up for I don't know another five five let's say but <laughs> I'm expect I'm expecting lots of goals. Oh, I couldn't I think take we'll that. Win, That'd to be, be too fair. stressful. It'll be particularly <laughs> stressful for me because, and this is where I'm going to out myself. I have a ticket, but not necessarily in the correct part of the ground. So there could be a lot of. I need to learn. I need to learn everything there is to know about the inner workings of West Bromwich Albion, <laughs> and learn to sit on my hands and keep my mouth closed. Uh, it, I remember the 1996 League Cup semi-final when Arsenal were beating us 2-0 and oh, Dwight it's... York uh, Dwight York scored a late late equaliser and I was in the North Bank at the Highbury which is their <laughs> obviously their Holt their Holt and I and I, I took I think I took like a couple of mates who were like neutrals yeah there's about four of us I think and those are in those are in the days where you could actually get in on the night of a semi-final of a league cup without having uh, you know references Wonder. or uh, previous uh, yeah, you could just get into arsenal like on the night and arsenal now there's like what is it six year waiting list for a season ticket or something i mean this is how times have turned but yeah i i dwight york scored uh i think it was ahead and made it 2-2 in the last minute which basically set it up we drew Did you make a little noise a- i i jumped up full <laughs> jumped up and it was if you imagine it in slow motion i was there like arms just going in the air and then i i, I started i just shouted fucking hell seaman <laughs> as, as i as i came down <laughs> as i came down and landed i was like fucking hell seaman everybody turned around and was like well if you save that he'd probably be the best goalkeeper in the world <laughs> like, people were looking at me with the expression how the fuck do you expect him to save it's better that? to be thought of a complete <laughs> raving lunatic than a, out yourself as a villa fan yeah. so, I, so i sat down in my seat i was just shaking my head like <laughs> i am taking tips here i am taking tips <laughs> yeah write this down yeah just shaking and like almost pretending to spit on the floor just like showing like crazy madness so a they think you're mad and B, don't mess with somebody who's mad because you never know how how it's going to go. Well, so that's the way am, you protect protect mad, yourself. So. <laughs> Stock mad, raving loony. People actually don't go to games when like the away tickets sell out. They'll go, oh, it's sold out. I can't go. Well, get get a ticket in the home end. Oh no, I can't, can't do that. It's, it's, I think it's another level of uh, it's another added you know element of fun of going to football games is going to an important game in the home end. And wearing your shirt underneath. I've already got my all black Luke replica training top. It's all black. It's covert. 
<laughs> you should wear, just have a Tesco bag in your pocket just in case for emergencies. Look, I need a favourite player. Who can my favourite player be? Uh, I can't think of a really shit Albion. There's a loads of really shit Albion players. Actually. Well, I'm just looking at the, just to bring it back on track, I'm just looking at in the top goalscorer charts for the championship. We just, we've just been bigging up the baggies saying they're the top scorers, but it doesn't seem they, they don't have a main man, do they? I've only got the, uh, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got like nine goals and up. Mm. So you've got even people like Callum Robinson, Preston, uh, ex-Villa, with his nine goals. And there's no signs of a baggies. There's even two Blues strikers in there in the uh, the top eight or so. It would be an interesting game. I, mean, I saw. I did watch the game against uh, Albion playing Brentford, and that they were though the Albion were wasteful, they'd, they'd be disappointed. Uh... Not to have won that game. Uh, the only thing I'd say about West Brom is, I mean, they're in better shape than when we got relegated. There's no doubt about that. But they they have yeah. got that sense of needing maybe something just to get them in, turn them into a powerhouse. You know, like Newcastle, there was never any doubt that they bit were bit of spark to, as well. Yeah, yeah, that that's what they need. And I'm not quite sure they've found there. They have a, an obvious style as yet. Just looking at the top of the uh, championship top scorers, uh, Luis Graban is there with 14 goals. I think he's a he's a great striker at this level. And he just he just looks class. Uh, I mean, Max, would you have kept him if uh, if we had actually some money at the early part of uh, the summer? Would you have uh, got him in for like three seasons or so? Yeah, probably. If I didn't know about Tammy Abraham now, I'd probably take Abraham. But then if you offered me grabbing, I'd snap your hand off because I yeah. think he's one of the most complete strikers in this league and he yeah. can do a bit of everything. And if you give him a chance, any chance he'll score. Yeah, and... I don't, I don't know why that he doesn't get on with the Premier League. I don't know if it's because he doesn't run around like a madman and he's not like a super, super athlete. I don't know if that's... Because he's class. He's like a... He cruises around the pitch. He, he kind of jogs around. And I don't know if people think that's... He's lazy. It's like a misinterpretation when he's actually, you know, technically he's, he's, he's very good. It's a bit of an enigma, but he's obviously settled with Forrest. And Forrest, I think they've got a part to play in the promotion uh, shake-up at the end because the way they cut Villa apart, I think they can turn it on and they'll be a serious contender uh, after Christmas once the top uh, three or four start breaking away. Any other team that's impressed you so far? I mean, Norwich obviously are, have been very impressive recently. I know, I don't, I don't know where Norwich have come from. Do you fear anybody in this league now? Because Villa have obviously transformed into another beast now. Do you, do you actually fear any team? Who, who would you say is our three rivals, even though we're eighth? <laughs> yeah, the way we're playing now, I don't fear anyone. But you look at Leeds, who can turn on against anyone. Sheffield United, who are doing very well this season. It's just yeah. that top six, if we just... You know, we look at Middlesbrough, you look at Derby, we've been to both them grounds and we've done them. So if we if we beat the top six and just keep our head up around those parts, we'll be all right. Yeah, I think that Leeds game is going to be a bit of a Christmas cracker. Mm. If we win that, then it's uh, that's a just statement of intent, really. Leeds are a bit all over the place. They got they got smashed at West Brom four one, but then yeah. they went to Sheffield United yeah. and won one 0 So who knows what to expect? To be fair, and, and I think I'd just turn it yeah. on its head slightly. What what we, you were just talking about is that I think. Th- genuinely for the first time people are starting to fear Villa you know that's happened in the last three or four games now you you cast your eye across social media you see some of the particularly some of the um, local press reports from um, from Teesside about how it was a bit of a wake-up call to them in their season and how, how far you know they were well soundly beaten by Villa and that's starting to change yeah. the narrative if you like that we're, we're going to places I won't say expecting to win but having that feeling like at Forest that you're almost thinking, well, we're approaching the game trying to win. And that's yeah. uh, a revelation really for us. There's definitely potential there for a new hashtag, Fear the Villa, because uh, Wes Eden's uh, Milwaukee Bucks the basketball team that he also co-owns, their hashtag is Fear the Deer. <laughs> 
I like that. So fear the villas coming in. But what a great hashtag that you're basically saying you should fucking fear us because uh, we're good, <laughs> which is uh, hasn't been a feeling we've had for a long nope. time because we turned into a bit of a joke club. Even Burton was, were turning up at Villa Park uh, expecting to, you know, they, they have a chance of getting some points when in reality, you know, you should be sweeping these teams aside. No disrespect to Burton because they obviously swept us aside in the, uh, the League Cup. Yep. Right, let's uh, get out of here. Before uh, the midnight hour, we don't want to know what happens to uh, Max Stokes once it gets to midnight. <laughs> Do you want to shout out anybody? I think that Owen chap needs a good shout out. Oh yeah, shout out to Owen Thompson. He's on the, the Villa on Tour videos. He's a good lad. One thing about, just to just to end this, I mean, I don't do YouTube because I, I, there's only certain amount of hours in the day, but also uh, the comments on YouTube, is it's another world compared to Facebook, Twitter and uh, I don't know, Instagram. The comments on YouTube videos are the ones that actually will have me in tears laughing they're like on another level i mean have you experienced that you know pro and uh, negativity in terms of uh, the kind of responses you get yeah to be fair i get some really nice comments especially from people like yeah. overseas i've had people from like el salvador which is really weird watching my videos but wow i, I get some i get some really really shocking comments and some mm. that i can't really repeat on this podcast but yeah over, overall it's it's all good why not yeah go, uh, we're, we're, listen i'm we're, <laughs> we're well seasoned to hate <laughs> we 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 label this explicit for a reason. Oh, I don't know. They're, they're just talking about, oh, you've got a shitty YouTube channel. You think you're so cool coming to yeah. our place and saying we've got shit support. It's just, just weird. But yeah, I, I enjoy it really. That's to be expected though. I mean, that's just yeah. the, the domain of, you know, keyboard worrying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your YouTube comments. I think my favorite one is when somebody referred to Owen as their dad. <laughs> I think they just yeah. said he. They just said he's my dad. <laughs> yeah, he is like a, a seasoned fifty-year-old uh, in a body of uh, <laughs> of a teenager. <laughs> He'll be glad to hear that. He's like an old-school BBC comedian from like the the seventies or eighties or something. He's like a real uh, throwback. That's why. Yeah. That's why he works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a comedy character. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the uh, the Tamburino stand. Here we are with the Yeovil Town manager. Are you happy today? You're going oh, yes. to win the game? Yes, we are. 4 0, mate. 4 0 Yeovil today. Yeovil. Cheers, manager. Here we are, just outside the stadium. Here's, here's, oh, good a, memories. here's a picture of when Yeovil won the Champions League. Good memories. Won good. the Europa League in that one. Shout out to uh, Owen. But no, it's, it's, the thing with anything, especially like supporter media, is just being genuine. I mean, a lot of people mm. try to use it for like vehicles to do something and, uh, you know tried to break into mainstream media or something but I think you know mainstream media is overrated it's a load of crap and uh, <laughs> the only way you, you get a really good voice and you can actually be yourself and uh, you know be truly in- independent is do your own thing so uh, absolutely keep yeah. on rocking and Max will be back hopefully actually I think Chris Chris Bud sits fairly close to you up in the upper hole I think he's to the left uh, down a bit oh, okay is he, is he I think he's K4 I think yeah he's- I'm K4 as well yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm sure uh, we'll get you on so you can talk all things up a whole Bore us to death. <laughs> very good. Anyway, thank you very much, Max, for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Just quickly, uh, please, if, you, if you're listening on Spotify, follow. If you're listening on iTunes, follow. Or if you're listening on anything, follow, subscribe. Join the Mad Few Facebook group as well. Share us on socials. Yeah, share, like, all that good stuff. And before we go, I just want to give a shout out to the new My Old Man Said patrons who have uh, signed up uh, over the last couple of weeks. Big thanks to Stephen Doddridge, Stephen Fenner, Evan Kelly, 
Sean Carroll, Andrew Gallivan, Andy Ellison, Chris Barker, Pedder Braga, hopefully I pronounced that right, James Lavatz, Sanjay Patel, Chris Rumble, Alan Biseka. Thanks to also uh, Simon Dakin for upping his uh, pledge. If you can support us by becoming a My Old Man Said patron, that would be a, a great help. Also, uh, another thing, uh, Facebook invited uh, My Old Man Said to their creator setup, so we might do some things there. Also, that you can become a, a supporter on uh, via Facebook. There's a badge that says become a supporter, and uh, essentially there's only one level, but the good thing is it's in pounds where the Patreon isn't. Go to the Facebook page facebook.com my old man said and you'll see the uh, become a supporter sign on the actual page and it's uh, you just click that and it's pretty simple it's just uh, via paypal so until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye my old man said <laughs> The Villa Underground Christmas jumpers are coming. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> do Villa on tour do any Christmas jumpers? Um, are you getting into the Christmas jumper merch line? Maybe next year. Bastard, that's my market. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.